Have you ever had a situation where you saw someone on television and then you saw them in person? I have. I watched Doug Batchelor for a number of years and then I was at a camp meeting and I opened the door to go use the men's room and there he was <laughs> in the flesh standing right before me and I was so startled I didn't even say hi. I just said, oh, and just walked past him. And there was something immediately that crossed my mind, and it was, he's short. (laughs) Evidently, I'd imagined that he was a lot taller on the television screen than in person. And I'll be honest, I said, praise God, short people can be preachers too, amen? He he was about my height, felt a little camaraderie there, a little bond, even though we didn't exchange any words. He's he's about my height, maybe a little bit taller, so hey, the Lord's not a respecter of height, it's okay. I listened to a favorite radio show host of mine, and I had this mental picture of what she looked like, and then I saw her actual picture, and there was a great amount of dissonance in my mind. I said, she looks like that? (laughs) My mental picture did not match the reality, just like my mental picture of Doug Batchelor's height did not match the reality of actually who he was. And today we begin a three-part series of messages entitled The Mystery of God. The reality is we worship and pray to and talk to a God that we have never met in person. Do you ever think about that? What if you meet God face to face in person, and you're like, wow, you are nothing like I thought you would be. Now, I would imagine that it's going to be surreal, and there's going to be some things that you're like, wow, this is just seeing him face to face. But what if your picture of God is just so different of the reality of who God is? I was on the internet when we were about to purchase our first home. Newly married couple and get on realtor.com or whatever it is and we're ready to purchase our new home. And I said, honey, I have found the home. This is it. The pictures were phenomenal. The description was perfect. The price was low. I said, we better go over there and buy this house right now. So we set up an appointment, went to the house, and I got out and looked at the house, and I said, is this the same house? Went inside. There were holes in the drywall. The roof was sagging. That house should have been condemned. And what I realized was I had been fed a lot of propaganda. They had Photoshopped those images taking a picture, conveniently leaving out that gaping hole in the drywall. And there was a distinct difference between reality 
and what I had been fed. And could it be that there's a lot of propaganda out there about the nature of God, the character of who he is? And could it be that there are many people, sad to say, that when they come face to face with the real God, he is the direct opposite of who he actually is. And so in our journey together, today we'll be talking about how to avoid the propaganda. Next week we'll talk about what do we do when God does not meet our expectations. And so as we journey together, let's go to the very beginning. I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to the beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, as we go to the story of the Garden of Eden, perfection, Adam and Eve there in the garden, and you see that in the Genesis account, God says, look, everything is very good. You have the perfect couple in the perfect place in the presence of a holy and perfect God. What more could you ask for? Let's pick up in verse 15, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. Then the Lord God took man, put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. We know the story, right? Adam and Eve are told you can eat of every tree, but this tree, you can't eat of it. And let's just ponder a little bit about how things have changed in reference to how the devil can work. Back before sin, you had to go to Satan to get tempted. You had to go to a specific location. Matter of fact, one physical location on planet Earth to get tempted by the devil. Wouldn't that be nice today? I mean, we're in Alaska. And if I read my Bible correctly, when you'd see the rivers, uh, Eden was somewhere over in the Middle East in Palestine. Could be wrong, but correct me afterwards. But it's somewhere over there, at least on another continent. We're pretty good for here. We have to go to the devil, to a certain tree to get tempted. Things have dramatically changed since then. So it's pretty fair, right? You can eat of every tree of the garden, but of this particular tree you shall not eat. Now, the book Patriarchs and Prophets fills in some of the details here. In page 53, our first parents were not left without warning of the danger that threatened them. Heavenly messengers opened to them the history of Satan's fall and his plots for their destruction, unfolding more fully the nature of the divine government which the prince of evil was trying to overthrow. In other words, they were given some history about the fall of Lucifer and that this location was the only place that Lucifer, Satan, was allowed now, you know the story. Adam and Eve go to and fall into temptation. I should say Eve goes to the tree and Adam falls into temptation, and we are here today as a result. Now, let's pick up in chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 1. There's a fascinating conversation here between the serpent and Eve. 
Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now, if you're like me, you're thinking, if I were the devil, I would have picked a different medium than a serpent to communicate to Eve because uh, if the majority of us, I would assume, if you saw a dangling serpent, a snake in a tree that said hello, I would not stick around. I would run. I remember in academy, I was uh, getting some clothes out of one of my dresser drawers, opened it up to get my pants, and in that drawer was a four-foot black snake. And I, there was a blood-curdling scream, as you can imagine. I didn't say, oh, wonderful, what a cute snake. There's a certain reaction when you see snakes. But uh, when we look in the book Patriarchs and Prophets, I have this on the screen here, page 53, the serpent snake is not the same as it is today. The serpent was one of the wisest and most beautiful creatures on earth. It had wings and while flying through the air presented an appearance of dazzling brightness having the color and brilliancy of burnished gold. I can't imagine. A beautiful snake for some reason but it was a spectacular beautiful thing um, I imagine if I found a puppy dog in that third drawer it would have been a different reaction imagine the cutest puppy golden retriever that talks you may be intrigued I would imagine Eve was as well. And so this medium is used by the devil in this conversation, and it says in Genesis chapter 3 that the serpent was more cunning or subtle or crafty than any other creature which the Lord God had made. In other words, this is going to be a conversation that is dripping with implications. You need to watch the language that is used in this conversation, particularly by the devil, because he needs to frame things in a certain way. In order to get Adam and Eve to fall, they need to come to the tree. He needs to then convince them to eat the fruit which God has told them not to eat. So this is a very difficult thing for the devil to do. So he needs to craft his argument a certain way. We need to look at his words very carefully. Now, when a cunning person talks to you, you need to be careful of the implications. I heard of a sales technique that was used by a door-to-door -door salesman. I'll be honest, I used it a couple times, but I stopped. <laughs> Convicted. And my leader actually taught it to me, and I thought, I can't do this anymore. What we would do, we'd go to the door, give our spiel, and when we got to the close, the close is the most important part. If any of you have been in sales, it's where you seal the deal, all right? And the traditional close is, would that be cash or check? Usually assumes the sale. So you go through your whole spiel about the book, and then before they even say that they're interested, you say, would that be cash or check? But the, the sales technique that we were taught, or one of us was taught, at least me, he said, you know, when you get to your close, you say, would that be cash or check? And then you say, and can I have a drink of water with that too? 
And the person's like, oh, especially in the South, Southern hospitality. They say, oh, sure, you can have a drink of water. And then they go back to get the drink of water and don't realize, or they realize, that by saying yes to the drink of water, they've also said yes to the purchase of the book. See what's happened? That too has put a certain amount of pressure on them, and I found that just because they do not want to turn down your expectation, they will buy the book because they said the two as well. Now, that is manipulation. That's why I stopped. I can't believe I was taught that by my leader. Confession is good for the soul. Now, look at this. We need to look at the implications of what Lucifer is saying. Now, look at the framing of the conversation here. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1, Verse 1, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, notice his opening line, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Notice how the devil approaches Eve. He says, has God said, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? In other words, he wants Eve to buy into a certain picture of God. What kind of parent would tell their child, you can never eat of anything in this house? What would you do if a child said, my mom won't let me eat? You'd probably call Child Protective Services, right? That's abuse. So the immediate picture that Lucifer paints of God is, look, do you serve a God that doesn't let you eat of any tree of the garden? What are some synonyms or descriptions that we can use for that? Exacting, severe, Harsh, restrictive, a God that puts you in a garden in front of all this wonderful food and will not let you eat. That's the picture that God wants to paint. Now, look at the contrary to this. Back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, it says, verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may what? Freely eat. Now, that word freely is not there in the original Hebrew. In the original Hebrew syntax, when they wanted to emphasize something, they would repeat it. So the actual transliteration of what God said here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 is, of every tree of the garden you may eat, eat. There's an emphasis that is there. In other words, it's not just eat. You may eat to the full. So, it is the direct opposite of what God has indicated. A God that is restrictive, a God that is vindictive, or I should say, at the very least, very harsh and severe. And you can see that Eve doesn't buy into it fully. But in verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, the interesting part of that verse is that 
even though she hasn't bought in fully, you can see that she has bought into a certain amount because she adds in an additional restriction that God did not add. It says you shall not what? Touch it. God never said that. It was very specific. You have to eat it. You were not condemned because you touched it. Touched it. So you can see that even though she doesn't buy in all the way to the propaganda of the devil, she buys in partially. She buys in a certain amount. Now, we are in an interesting situation because we have been fed a lot of propaganda from the devil. And it's interesting because we live in a time where we are not immune to propaganda. Let me just leave it there. This is a picture of, of North Korea, a very rare picture of common life in North Korea. I read a book not too long ago called Nothing to Envy. It documented individuals that had escaped from North Korea, defected, crossed the Chinese border, made their way to Mongolia, and Mongolia has a policy that anyone who defects from North Korea is not returned to North Korea, but is returned to South Korea. So there's a steady train of defect defectors that go through China to Mongolia. Very difficult and challenging journey. Many people are caught and sent back and put in the prison camps. My mom, prior to the war, was born in North Korea. It's only a miracle of God that she made it south. And it's fascinating because the conditions in North Korea are abysmal to say the least. It's one of the poorest countries in the world and yet has the fourth largest army. They, they put in a great amount of their GDP into the military. And here's a quote in regards to North Korea from an article. The government lies to the outside world. Propaganda. The government lies to the people. The press lies to the people. The people lie to each other. The tour guides lie to the tourists. The press depicts South Korea as a suffering and American-occupied country. The leaders' speeches talk about North Korea being the envy of the world with the highest quality of life. Facts are not a key part of the equation in North Korea. Can you imagine living in a society where everything is a lie? You don't know what to believe. This is the situation in the most isolated country in the world, and some of the propaganda has leaked out. And I want to put some of the slides here on the screen with the translation. Here is one of the propaganda posters. You can see the, the flag of North Korea to the north, and what is this flag to the south here? Right, right. This, is, this is the United States of America, and you see the fist of North Korea crushing the American missile there. Here's another one. Here's the translation, though the dog barks, the train moves on. And notice the dog has a coat uh, made out of the flag of the United States of America. Some propaganda. This is an interesting one. Do not forget the imperilous wolves. And this is American soldiers having a North Korean baby holding over a well, holding it over a well, about to drop it in there, uh, the, the picture 
of America that is painted in North Korea is uh, interesting. It, it paints a certain picture of the enemy. This is the only way that they can convince the people that are in this isolated country that the only government that is going to save you is the North Korean government. So we are in a propaganda war as well. From the book Great Controversy, it is Satan's constant effort to misrepresent the character of God. You can see that in the opening line, in the opening salvo between the serpent and the woman, has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? In other words, you serve a God that is so exacting, so restrictive, so unreasonable that he will not let you eat. That's the lie that he wants to paint in the mind of Eve because he knows that's the only way that she will capitulate to his side. To put out a concept of God that is exacting and severe. It is Satan's constant effort to misrepresent the character of God. And here is a cartoon from the far side. You ever seen these cartoons before? And this is God at his computer. I don't know if you can see it there, but his, his finger is over the smite key. The implication, he hits that key that releases that piano on that poor pedestrian and crushes him. This is a cartoon, but if we're honest, this concept of God is, uh, they say that satire has an element of truth to it. We can laugh at this, but this has an element of truth as to many people's picture of God. Now, this is not just the non-Christians that have this view. It's also Christians as well. Jonathan Edwards, in that famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, 18th century preacher, theologian. And I want to read you a few lines from his sermon. Be glad your pastor doesn't preach like this every Sabbath. Here it is. There is nothing that keeps wicked men at any moment out of hell but the mere, what does it say? But the mere pleasure of God. Wow. The God that holds you over the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire, abhors you and is dreadfully provoked. His wrath toward you burns like fire. He looks upon you as worthy of nothing else but to be cast into the fire, he is of purer eyes than to bear to have you in his sight. You are 10,000 times so abominable in his eyes as the most hateful and venomous serpent is in ours. And it would be a wonder if that some now present should be in hell in a very short time before this year is out. And it would be no wonder if some persons that now sit here in some seats of this meeting house in health and quiet and secure should be there before tomorrow morning. Sure don't preach like they used to. Wow. This paints a certain picture of God, doesn't it? A God that has pleasure 
in roasting and toasting sinners in hellfire for eternity. The concept of eternal burning hell, I believe, has made many atheists. Because what kind of God would burn and roast and toast people forever? Hmm. I took a class in seminary. It was called Second Century Christianity. We studied the original Greek works of Ignatius, Justin Martyr. And there was a particular piece that I came across that fascinated me. It was called The Apocalypse of Peter. And it never made it into the biblical canon. And as I read the manuscript, I discovered why. I want to read to you a little bit from the Apocalypse of Peter. Here it is. And besides those who are there, talking about hell, shall be other men and women gnawing their tongues. This is from the second century. And they shall torment them with red hot irons and burn their eyes. They sh- they are th- these are they who slander and doubt my righteousness. Other men and women who works whose works were done in deceitfulness shall have their lips cut off and fire enters into their mouth. These are they who caused the martyrs to die by their lying. All those in torment shall say with one voice, have mercy upon us, for now we know the judgments of God which he declared to us before time, and we did not believe, and the angel shall come and chastise them with even greater torment and say to them, now do you repent? When it is no longer time for repentance, nothing of life remains. These are Christians that are promulgating this notion that God enjoys and takes pleasure in tormenting people. Torture. You can see that the propaganda machine of the devil has been very, very successful. There have been lies that have been fed all the way through the very inception of time here on earth to this very day a caricature of God, a picture of God that is so blatantly inaccurate, a picture of God as being vindictive. This is from the book Steps to Christ, page 10. Satan led men to conceive of God as a being whose chief attribute is stern justice, one who is a severe judge, a harsh, exacting creditor. He's He pictured the Creator as a being who is watching with jealous eye to discern the errors and mistakes of men that he may visit judgments upon them. It was to remove this dark shadow by revealing to the world the infinite love of God that Jesus came to live among men. The only way that we can be immune and inoculated, vaccinated from propaganda and having an erroneous picture of God is by looking at the face of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the only way. Otherwise, you are subject to erroneous notions about his character. 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God is found in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the revelation of the character of God. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus is the revelation of who God is. And it is only by looking at the face of Jesus that we can come to a true understanding of who God really is. This way, when you come to meet him face to face, yes, there will be surprises, of course, but it will not be like you were living in an alternate reality and saying, wow, this is the God I serve? By the grace of God, we can be in a living communion with him. That way, when we come face to face with Jesus Christ on that day at the second coming, we can pick up just where we left off. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Desire of Asia says, By coming to dwell with us, Jesus was to reveal God both to men and to angels. He was the Word of God, God's thought made audible. I was at a ministerial meeting at a previous conference and I stayed with a minister that was new to that conference and we were visiting one evening and he was telling me the story of how he met and married his current wife. And he said, David, I met her online. I don't know if it was AdventistSingles.com, but one of these online dating sites. And he said, we developed this relationship. She was on another continent in a foreign country, and we fell in love online. We would Skype together. We would email. And he said, I proposed to her without ever having met her in person. My eyes got wide. I said, how, how could you do that? He said, he said no, it gets better. He said, I proposed to her, and she said yes. And then we set the date of the wedding without ever having met. And I flew over there to marry her. And the first time I saw her face to face was the moment I got off the plane and the wedding preparations had already gone underway. The date was set. The invitations were out. And I said, my brother, what were you going to do if you got off that plane <laughs> and you realized that you had been sold a bill of goods, that the girl that had been communicating to you, the woman that had been communicating to you through the electronic internet cyberspace was not the reality of the actual person. And he said, you know, she had been giving me accurate information. And uh, I'm not recommending this, but it's just a story, illustration. To each his own. He got off the plane and he said, you know what? We had spent so much time together that when we met face to face, our relationship just continued on. We got married 
and they're happily married today. Amen? And friends, we serve a God that we have never met in person. But we can know everything that we need to know about him in the face of Jesus Christ. And that's found in his word. Amen? And when we read and study and get a picture of God as found in his word, it is accurate information. Amen? And when you see him face to face in the clouds of glory, it won't be total dissonance. I can't believe this is the Jesus I have been praying to and worshiping all this time. There won't be this crashing of expectations. It will be surreal, yes. There will be surprises, yes. But by the grace of God, you will pick up just where you left off. Amen? Because you have been fed accurate information. So let's fall in love with Jesus, amen? Let's read about him as found in the Gospels. Let's get our information from the primary source, not from the propaganda that the devil has placed in front of us. And when we see his face, by his grace, our name will be, his name will be on our foreheads. Let's bow our heads together as we pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for Jesus We thank you that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God is found in the face of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to daily spend time looking at the face of Jesus, thinking about your character, reading about Jesus, and falling in love with Jesus as found in your holy word. And we pray that when you come in the clouds of glory, that we will be like you because of the grace work that you've worked out in our lives. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org